Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hi, listeners. Let's talk about living with your liver. Fun stuff, especially understanding the distinction or the contrast between your liver function when you're in a carbohydrate dependency state versus when you are fat and keto adapted and also learning along the way just how important efficient liver function is to all aspects of health and metabolism. Uh, it will make you want to think twice before you abuse it with excessive alcohol consumption because the liver is the, uh, the control tower for all forms of energy distribution in the body. Uh, but I'm going to go right to this nice excerpt from the Keto Reset Diet. And boy, it's going to make you want to rush out and grab the book or at least hit click on your favorite online ordering thing because this thing is just chock full of wonderful information such as this. This is just a mere sidebar buried in one of the chapters, but could be life-changing insights. And it's called Keto versus Carbo. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. By the time you read this book, I'm confident you'll have a strong understanding of the science and the metabolic flow of fat and ketone burning versus that of carbohydrate dependency. It's especially important to understand what's happening in your liver, the control tower for energy processing and distribution throughout your entire body. The liver secretes bile to help break down fats in the small intestine. It detoxifies the bloodstream from alcohol, drugs, or other harmful substances, converts excess ingested carbohydrates into fat, converts excess ingested protein into glucose when you're calling for glucose, otherwise processes uh, excess ingested protein, deaminates it, and uh, brings it to the kidneys to uh, dispose of, which is a big stress. That's why um, excess protein is, uh, can, has health consequences. And the liver also manufactures ketones under special circumstances of fasting or keto-aligned eating. It's amazing to reflect on the liver's exquisite regulation of blood glucose within an incredibly tight range at all times. Our optimal circulating glucose level is only around 5 grams, that's like a teaspoon, within our entire body. That's a total blood volume of around 1.5 gallons, that's 5.5 liters of blood circulating throughout the body. If the liver were to screw up and dump too little or too much glucose into the bloodstream, you'd quickly drop to the ground and lapse into a diabetic coma from hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia. In the typical modern human carbohydrate dependency eating pattern, your liver will fight valiantly under adverse circumstances to keep you energy balanced until it finally succumbs to insulin resistance and you end up with type 2 diabetes. In a fat and keto adapted eating pattern, you allow your liver to really shine. Energy to the brain and body is readily available and no wasted energy or inflammation from excess caloric intake and hormonal imbalances. So first, let's talk about what the liver's doing, what it's burdened with when you're eating in a carbohydrate dependency pattern. Here, the liver is overwhelmed each day with excess glucose ingestion and often a bit too much protein, prompting excess insulin production, which overwhelms the pancreas too, by the way. Here's the metabolic chain of events captured. 
First, liver glycogen stores, which are around 100 grams, are usually full because of your high-carbohydrate diet. Muscle glycogen stores, which can total up to 400 to 500 grams total throughout the body, those are usually full too. And if they're not filled after a tough workout when you drain glycogen, they quickly get refilled from recovery meals and snack binges over the course of the day in a carbohydrate dependency eater and athletic fitness person. Okay, so some of the ingested carbs are burned immediately by the brain and the muscles. The rest, the excess, is quickly removed from the bloodstream. It's converted into triglycerides in the liver and transported into fat cells for storage. If you consume more protein than you need to support basic metabolic function, as I was talking about before, basic metabolic function and the preservation of lean muscle mass, the liver will either convert it into glucose via gluconeogenesis if you are calling for sugar, if you're in that state carbohydrate dependency state especially where you're needing the high production level of glucose to fuel your brain's needs. As an aside, your brain needs around 150 grams of glucose per day is what it burn rate is. It burns about 25% of your total calories, even though it's about 3 or 4% of your total body weight. In my case, 4%, most people 3 <laughs> Oh, sorry, listeners. You got you to gotta get used to me. Okay. Anyway, bigger brain, not necessarily smarter. So why even say that? You know what I mean? It's like, it's all about quality. It's not about size. Um, so what happens when you're over-consuming protein beyond your metabolic needs, your body will convert it into glucose, or it will commence a process called deamination to clear the bloodstream of excess amino acids. This deamination process causes a buildup of ammonia and nitrogen, which also stresses the kidneys as the kidneys convert it into urea and excrete it. So a high-protein diet will often become a high-carbohydrate diet by default because you're converting it into glucose, and then um, also overstimulating growth factors like insulin growth factor 1 and mTOR, M-T-O-R, mammalian target of rapamycin, and these are the growth factors that when they run amok, when they are too when they're overstimulated, can increase your risk of cancer and accelerate cell division, which is the essence of accelerated aging. So too much carbs, too much protein, stressing out the liver, stressing out the kidneys and the pancreas as well. Um, And then because your insulin mechanisms are removing the excess calories from your bloodstream, your bloodstream is soon starved of energy, even though you're eating regular high-carbohydrate meals. And this manifests so familiarly with um, the afternoon blues, cranky, tired, hangry, they call it, and just looking for fuel, feeling hungry, reaching for the snack bowl, getting up from your desk, walking across the room uh, to go get a Tootsie Roll from the reception desk. Um, that's just a sign that you're, you suck at burning stored body fat and you're completely dependent on dietary carbohydrate. So when you have that sensation of low blood glucose, this can trigger intense cravings for foods. If you don't answer it right away, pretty soon you'll go up and get four Tootsie Rolls if you wait a couple hours. <laughs> and the, the cravings are especially for sugar because sugar gives you that quick energy. Your brain feels depleted. The hormonal signals, the hardwired genetic mechanisms uh, kick in. And you go for the sugar, even if you're a strong, disciplined, well-meaning person. Meanwhile, elevated insulin levels prevent triglycerides from being mobilized into free fatty acid energy. So you have all this fat in storage, obviously, 
Even the leanest of human specimens has tens of thousands of fat calories packed on the body, ready to burn if necessary, but they're totally locked away because of a high insulin-producing dietary pattern. Okay, that's the liver's day. That's another busy day for the liver in the carbohydrate dependency state. Now, when you're in a fat and keto-adapted lifestyle, things look a lot better. So it's a fasting, uh, engaging in regular fasting states where your body's forced to uh, generate energy internally, or adhering and or, you could say, adhering to this keto-style, high-fat, moderated protein, and very low-carbohydrate eating pattern. This will have liver glycogen stores as well as insulin levels low and trigger that chain of events of manufacturing ketones from the byproduct of burning fatty acids for energy as your main fuel source. So here's the chain of events, the metabolic chain of events, what's happening in the liver when you're fat and keto adapted. First, dietary carbohydrate intake is very low and protein intake is optimized. It's enough to maintain homeostasis and lean body mass, but no extra. And as we'll get into in great detail later, that correlates to around 0.7 grams per pound of lean mass. Not much when you consider, let's say quickly, just for illustration's sake, um, a guy like me, 165 pounds, a little less. Um, let's go with 10% body fat. And that puts me down to around 150 pounds of lean mass times 0.7, um, getting to just over 100 grams per day as my optimal protein level, 400 calories, that's it. And then if I'm going keto, I'm going to keep my carb intake down around 50 grams per day. That's only 200 calories. So 600 calories from protein and carbs uh, at a metabolic burn rate, uh, average daily burn rate, I'm probably up there if I do the calculations, 2,500 to 3,000 calories. So the rest of those calories come from natural nutritious fats in the diet. So in this eating pattern, this keto-aligned or even a primal-aligned eating pattern where you allow the carbs to go up to 150 grams per day, um, you're still talking about 1,000 calories from carbon protein and probably another 1,500 to 2,000 from fat. In my personal example, everyone else a little different, but you're looking at a predominantly fat as your contribution of calories. However, the bulk of your diet, just a little plug for plant-based diet, vegetables, greenery, uh, that stuff's going to take up the majority of space on your plate. It just has so few calories compared to the nutrient-dense uh, high-fat foods, nutritious fats. So carb intake is low. Protein intake is optimized, just enough to maintain homeostasis lean mass, and therefore, liver glycogen stores are empty or they're low, as well as insulin, and this prompts the manufacture of ketones. Every time you make ketones, you also make a little bit of glucose. There are things called gluconeogenic amino acids, and then there are ketogenic amino acids, and the conversion of these is what kickstarts uh, ketosis, ketone burning, uh, ketone manufacturing, ketone burning. I'm going to get into a little bit more detail to uh, uh, frame this show properly, but let's finish what's going on in the liver. So uh, during this state where the liver is making ketones as a byproduct of fatty acid metabolism, uh, the ketones and the glucose serve the high caloric demands of the brain. Um, as you get more and more fat and keto adapted, your brain learns to burn a greater percentage of ketones and can spare that glucose to where your dietary needs are extremely minimal. And actually, 
uh, can be pegged at zero if necessary, as been proven by uh, populations over the course of human evolution. Uh, traditional Inuit-style diet and things like that, where carbon take is zero for long periods of time. They're doing fine. Maybe they wish they had some fresh kale, but they don't up at the Arctic, and so they manufacture antioxidants internally. They get their dietary needs met from internal manufacturing of fuel, and everything's good and well. They're burning a clean-burning fuel source. So the ketones and the glucose serve the high caloric demands of the brain. Muscles burn primarily fatty acids and some glucose and some ketones, and everything's uh, easy on the liver in that sense, where it's burning the stored body fat, it's making ketones, it's making glucose, it's processing whatever you're ingesting from your diet, and you're getting a constant, steady supply of energy, especially to the brain and especially to the muscles. And we'll talk about this topic in great detail in later podcasts, but as you transition over from carbohydrate dependency to becoming fully fat and keto adapted, it's kind of a continuum. I'll give you a little bit of a tidbit or a short summary. Um, When you're carb dependent, your energy needs are from your regular meals. If you skip a meal, you feel tired, hungry, cranky. Um, So that's like, you know, stage one, level one, where you can't even fast without ruining your afternoon at work. And then you get to build this metabolic flexibility by ditching grain, sugars, and refined vegetable oils, transitioning toward uh, becoming better at burning stored body fat. Ketones is pretty far sophisticated, so we're not talking about those yet in the early stages of fat and keto adaptation. You're just trying to get better at burning fat and not so reliant on dietary carbohydrates for energy. Then as you get more fat adapted, you find that you can fast, you can skip meals, you feel fine, you're good at burning fat. The um, sugar cravings and the sweet tooth uh, behavior tendencies are moderated because you are finally regulating your prominent hunger, appetite, and fat storage hormones, such as ghrelin, the prominent hunger hormone, and such as leptin, the prominent uh, satiety and reproductive hormone that determines whether you will burn fat or store it. And these things start working well and you start noticing that you feel better and you're not overburdening your liver with processing all that glucose and producing that much insulin. And so over time, as you start to um, get some ketones going, especially when you get deep into it, um, your brain is going to transition from in the carbohydrate dependency state, you're burning 100% glucose, obviously. There's no ketone manufacturing happening or very, very little Uh, They talk about how we all make a bit of ketones overnight, and then we shut down production with even a modest ingestion of carbohydrates. So we're going to talk about the brain burning 100% carbs in that carb dependency state. Let's say it's 150 grams of carbohydrates per day, so that's 600 calories of glucose going to the brain every single day. For a small person or a big person, that's a big contribution to your total uh, energy needs, your total daily caloric intake. Now, in the early stages of keto adaptation, you can transition over to um, a 66 glucose and 33% ketones, and then all the way into deep keto adaptation, you can get two-thirds of your brain's energy needs met from ketones and one-third from glucose. And remember, in the deep stages of fasting, starvation, and uh, nutritional ketosis, you're still producing a bit of glucose every time you make ketones, and you're sending that to your brain. So your brain has plenty of glucose. It doesn't need that much. If we get to that ultimate stage of keto adaptation, where only a third of your brain's daily energy needs are met from glucose, 
we're going down to around 50 grams a day, right? Uh, we said 150, the brain's burning, so it's going to burn 100 grams of ketones. Uh, excuse me, it's going to burn uh, the, the calories represented by um, that, that 600 calorie total because ketones have five calories per gram, not four. Anyway, it's going to burn two-thirds ketones, one-third carb, so your actual daily glucose needs are only 50 grams for your brain, very modest level. That's why it might not be a coincidence that the ketone limit is 50 grams per day, but that modest intake will be burned up nicely by your brain along with the ketones. Meanwhile, in your muscles, as you transition to being fully fat and keto adapted, your muscles get better and better at burning fatty acids as their main energy source and preserving ketones for distribution to the brain directly because the brain's that high energy demand organ. It's going to take precedence over your muscles. So in the early stages of fat and keto adaptation, your muscles are kind of pissed because you used to feed them glucose and stuff up your glycogen stores after every workout, and now it's not getting sufficient glucose, so it's forced to try for other fuels, and it's going to battle your brain. It's going to compete with your brain to burn the fat and the ketones, the relevant energy sources, since glucose is being uh, minimized. And during those initial stages, you might feel some discomfort from this warring between the brain and the muscles. Your muscles might not feel that great. You might not have uh, feel top energy when you're performing, and you might feel a little bit foggy in the brain and tired and have energy dips and energy lulls because perhaps uh, the ketones are being soaked up by the muscle tissue. But as you transition and you burn uh, more and more ketones in the brain, less and less glucose, your muscles do the same thing where they're burning more and more fatty acids and fewer ketones, preserving ketones for use by the brain. So a little aside there, but important to note that um, you're making progress, making progress. And as you're progressing, um, that's why there's a little bit of a recommendation. It's kind of a light recommendation in there to say, hey, you know what? Um, tone down your exercise output in the early stages of nutritional ketosis because you don't want to have a, an unsightly, an unpleasant competition for energy between uh, brain and muscles for uh, ketones and fat. So if you can tone things down a little bit, uh, the ketones will go uh, more toward the brain. You can be active, and it's especially important to be active when you're going for keto. So just walking and low-intensity cardio where you're burning mostly fat. But if you're doing these high glycolytic workouts, you're a performer, you're into CrossFit, you got a hardcore personal trainer, uh, you do uh, team sports or things that require uh, that high power output where you're going to burn through a lot of glucose, then your glycogen stores are low, you're eating in a low-carbohydrate pattern so they're not immediately refueling, and then you're asking uh, for ketones and fat to burn and the brain and muscles might struggle. So if you just wait a few weeks to get back into normal training patterns to where you get more fat and keto adapted, and then that ultimate state of fat and keto adaptation where um, you're burning mostly ketones in the brain, two-third ketones, one-third glucose, and mostly fatty acids in the muscles. Good stuff. Let's detail a little further um, about this ketone production in the liver, the special circumstances that result in ketone production. So you need to have dietary carb intake low, obviously. Uh, research from Finney and Volick suggests that a single high-carbohydrate meal can throw you out of ketosis for uh, a very long time, um, like 24, 48, 72 hours, just from drinking an orange juice and having some oatmeal. So it's a very sensitive starvation-type response in the liver 
uh, to produce ketones in the first place. So you have carb intake low, you have insulin levels low, and you have liver glycogen stores that are low. In these special conditions, ketones are manufactured from fatty acids as well as from the conversion of so-called ketogenic amino acids. So we always talk about in general terms, or you search on the internet, Google keto, and it says um, it's a byproduct of fatty acid oxidation in the liver. But ketones are also made from amino acids. Interestingly, as I said before, glucose is always made in conjunction with ketones, and they are released into the bloodstream together. The glucose comes from the conversion of gluconeogenic aminos as well as from fatty acid because um, when you think about what a triglyceride is, it's um, three glycerol molecules uh, together. And so when you split those away, you get this glycerol byproduct uh, and then the fatty acid molecules uh, turning into energy, uh, energy that you can burn, fat energy that you can burn. So the glycerol is converted into glucose and you get a little bit of uh, glucose from uh, burning fat as well. I know everything's all like woven together. Isn't that beautiful evolution and how the body works? And instead, we're going for um, uh, the high-carb eating patterns where we're just slamming cheap gas instead of letting our body do its thing. Now, the liver's conversion rate of fat to ketones depends on how much glucose is in the bloodstream. Interestingly, a single liver hormone known as FGF 21 is responsible for the oxidation of fatty acids into ketones in the liver, a single hormone. When glucose is high, ketone production is turned off. The body doesn't need ketones because it has an abundance of quick-burning glucose. So like I said before, we're making those bit of ketones in the morning just from fasting, and boom, they're gone as soon as you take your sip of orange juice. Uh, When you're complete starvation or total fat and keto adapted, um, we talked about how the... um, The ketones are preferential use by the brain. They're water-soluble, ketones are, and they can easily cross that blood-brain barrier and to be used as an extremely clean, burning energy source by the brain. I've talked about in other shows how important that is because the brain is so sensitive to oxidative damage from burning dirty fuels, and this is why there's an increasing uh, concern and an increasing connection between uh, junk food diet, high carbohydrate, high insulin producing diet, and uh, the accelerated rates of cognitive decline, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, ADHD, autism, all kinds of connecting to this high sugar burning, uh, high oxidative damage diet where you're burning uh, dirty burning glucose. And then you're burning ketones when you go keto and all these things look better in the brain, the firing of the neurons, the increased oxygen to delivery to the brain, Um, the faster regeneration of the sodium-potassium pumps that fire the brain neurons because you're just simply burning a cleaner energy source. Um, The maximum, like I talked about, uh, ranging up 66% is what I quoted. Some studies believe that you can burn 80% of your brain fuel from ketones. Um, So that's not much glucose, and that's the benefits of becoming fat and keto adapted is you're kind of bonk proof. You free yourself from that obsession and that desperation, that desperate need for ingested dietary carbohydrate calories to fuel brain function. So we got a little bit of plugs for the brain, but we definitely learned what's going on in the liver. Thank you so much for listening to the wonderful story of how we manufacture and regulate the distribution of energy in the body. It's all centered in the liver. Take care of that liver. Take care of that brain. Try to get into some ketone burning now and then. 
This is your host, Brad Kearns. Thanks for listening to the show. Hi, this is Brad Kearns to tell you about Primal Endurance Online Multimedia Educational Mastery Course. And what we have done for the past year is basically bring the book Primal Endurance to life with a series of videos and other multimedia educational material, audio, ebooks, all accessed at this online portal with everything you need to succeed in endurance training. And if you're trying to do this stuff, if you're enjoying these compelling challenges and trying not to get sick, injured, burnt out, fried, this is going to help you approach your endurance goals in a healthy, balanced manner and promote your health rather than compromise it. Get away from carbohydrate dependency and progress toward fat adaptation. It's over 120 videos many with the experts and also many others with the step-by-step instruction of what's in the book. So if you're too busy to read or you'd like to have a more comprehensive learning experience, check out Primal Endurance online. You'll have everything you need there at primalendurance.fit.